Got you covered. Stories of Modern Modesty is supported by listeners on Patreon. Become a patron at patreon.com slash gotyoucoveredpod and continue to support the show on Instagram at gotyoucoveredpod. Hey, it's Aiden. Up next is my unedited interview with the co-founder of The Reflective, an online modest marketplace, Ariella Immerman. You can find a shorter produced version of our conversation wherever you found this podcast. This episode was originally recorded on a TikTok live, so I apologize for the audio quality. But if you find this conversation interesting and you want to share your thoughts, please do so by leaving a review. It is the easiest way to support the show, and each one truly makes my heart sing. It brings me so much joy. In fact, I'm going to read you one right now. Kabukworm writes, Opening my heart and mind, Aiden always interviews the most beautiful souls. I always find so much to wonder and ponder while listening and it's made me consider my own modesty in new ways. I love all the different perspectives, stories, and journeys shared here, and modesty means so many things to different people, and I'm blessed to count myself among this beautiful community. Thank you, Kabukworm. It's true. Modesty does mean so many different things to so many people, which is why I'm so excited that I got the chance to talk to Ariella. I think you'll find that she's asking really important questions about who's included in modesty and who's not, and it all comes down to, to what it does for you in, in your soul. So thanks for writing that. All right, let's get into it. Oh, yeah. Whoa, this is so cool. I've never <laughs> gone live on TikTok before. I'm tripping out. It's really weird. I feel like we're on a game show. It does feel like that. Yeah. Um, what game to... show would we be on where it, where it feels like this? Something cool. Something like that has to do with baking and like world knowledge together. Oh, do you watch the Great British Baking Show? That... I've tried to get into it. I feel like I need to give it another chance. I feel like it would be up my alley. Okay. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's one of those things that you can just like put on and lay down and it's a sleepy Sunday activity. <laughs> yeah. I also like love just feeling like I'm in England in general. So I'm sure, sure that can transport me there. Send me up. Yeah, I'm here for the, the whole like English uh, garden thing. I love it. We love that. <laughs> we love that. Downton Abbey vibes. Garden Yes, I love it. How are you? How was your day? It was lovely. You know, I have to say, like, it's not the best Wednesday I've ever had, but it ended well, and that's all that matters. That is all that matters. Excellent. I'm here with you, so. Yay. I'm so excited. Um, So, but since the last time we talked, um, I have talked to the Jewish Women's Archive um, for additional sort of, like, support in the podcast project. And they're talking to their team. So I'm really excited about the opportunities that are that might come out of this. Um, and I also um, enjoyed, in preparation for this interview, going through all of your old videos. Uh, it's always a joy to do that and see what kind of stuff people have uh, talked about in the past. So thank you for creating very funny content in the past up until now. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so happy it's out there serving. Great. I love it. Well, okay. So um, today, the way that this is going to work is um, since we're on a shorter timeline here, you said you can do about an hour, which is totally cool. I completely understand because it's like, what, 930 where you are. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty late. So I totally get it. Um, so we'll we'll just sort of do, uh, you know, question and answer conversation type things. Um, if there's anything that you would like kind of like kept off the record or anything you'd like me to remove in the future or that you just don't want to talk about, just talk, you know, let me know in the moment and I will uh, honor that, obviously. And then um, I, people are allowed to put comments or questions in either of our comment boxes. So um, if we have time at the end of the conversation, I'll try to leave a little bit of time for questions and we can address those as they come up, unless there's something that's like really poignant to what we're talking about, but I kind of want to keep the conversation moving. Does that work? Awesome. Perfect. And we can go over a bit. Uh, you know, I'm feeling the energy tonight, so no worries. Okay, why don't you give me a little weird hand signal so I know when it's time for you? <laughs> I will, I will. When I'm, like, about to, like, you know, nod off, I'll just go like that, and you'll know I can okay. it out. <laughs> awesome, right on. Okay, perfect. Cool. Okay, well, um, also, it's freezing here, so if I'm sipping tea, that's that's what's happening. Just you wait to see the monstrosity that is my tea mug. Just oh, no. you wait. It's it is okay. okay. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Great. And I'll make an appearance. <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, will you please introduce yourself as much as you're comfortable? Yes. My name is Danielle Emmerman. I am currently based in New York. Um, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, originally. I'm a Midwest gal at heart. And 
Yeah, I didn't grow up dressing modestly. I came to it later on in life. Um, been dressing modestly for the past three years now. Um, and, you know, throughout the, those past three years, I have um, started a modest fashion platform with my friend, our founder and CEO, Liza Sakai. Um, it's called The Reflective. And I have been very fortunate for the past year and a half um, in being able to have the opportunity to grow such an amazing community of women who also, you know, dress modestly, who didn't necessarily grow up dressing modestly. Um, it's been an awesome experience. I've met amazing women like you. And I just, I, you know, I love spirituality and growth and, you know, empowering other women. And I think all of that has kind of culminated in this experience that is modesty. That's lovely. Thank you. <laughs> um, I always start off my interviews with this next question because I think it can offer us some perspective into where you're coming from um, when we get into later questions. I think it's also just interesting to hear people's backgrounds. So will you, will you begin to talk about the religious or spiritual uh, upbringing of your childhood or your journey up until now? For sure. So I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, um, born and raised Jewish. Both my parents are Jewish. Um, I grew up more on the reform side of Judaism. So, you know, that really meant like we were Yom Kippur Jews in the sense that like that's the one time that we went to synagogue. Um, I did go to Hebrew school growing up, you know, I hated it. <laughs> so I really, I tried every which way to get out of it. Um, you know, eventually I did parent-child Hebrew school where my mom like was dragged into it. So she would accompany me. I was very checked out. Um, I went to private school, um, non-denominational. So I was actually surrounded by like not so many Jews um in middle school which kind of like led me to really resent Judaism in general like I just wanted to fit in and be a part of the majority in a sense um so I really wasn't so connected to religion until high school where I started doing a Jewish youth group called BBYO um and that kind of gave me more of a community feel around Judaism that I didn't necessarily feel like I had before um so culturally I would say I was always very connected to religion in that sense um but, you know, in general, like I, I wasn't religious by any means until really I started a spiritual journey in college um, where I really like felt like I dove into Judaism in a different way that I never really had before. Um, and so that's really where, like, I'd say the spirituality came in in my life is in college. Um, prior, it was really I just had a cultural connection to religion. In the process of becoming more religious, um, it seems like your your relationship to other people changed. You talked about as you sort of reconnected with this, a community, a community experience of Judaism, it was easier for you to express your connection to religion and to spirituality. Can you talk about how, um, you said you've only been dressing modestly for the last three years, but can you talk about what, what dress meant to you and what expressing yourself through clothing meant to you throughout that journey? For sure. So I, you know, it's funny. It's like, now I'm very connected to fashion. Um, you know, I spend you know eight hours a day, even more, like building a modest fashion platform. So I'm very involved with it now. But like growing up, like I guess my involvement with like, clothing was only to the extent of like, oh, I liked like dressing up dolls, and I like I always dreamt of being a fashion designer and like a small scale. But like that was also intertwined with me wanting to be an actress and like you know a comedian, a journalist, and going to the music industry. Like, I had all of these interests. Um, but fashion was by no means like a big part of like my passion in life until really I started thinking about becoming more observant. Um, and even throughout college, I wasn't so into fashion. Like I just really always wore what was considered like in. Um, I didn't really think about it from like, what do I actually like? And what do I actually feel good and confident in? Um, so when I did start my like spiritual journey, I started really like, Thinking, okay, like I can't really look to what other people are wearing in the same way I did before. It's not as easy. So I have to really think about like, what do I like and what makes me feel like myself? Um, and kind of like in that, in that like wait a second process, um, I started to have a real interest in like putting together pieces in a way that was more artistic than anything else. So I'd say like my interest in fashion kind of came from a place of self-expression more than anything. Um I forget the start of the question. <laughs> I'm missing a part two, but let me know if I am. Um... Yeah, you got there. <laughs> I, was, I was also curious um, 
and, and maybe this next question will answer that. But when did you first sort of start to dress modestly and and how did you get there? Yeah, so I started dressing modestly for faith-based reasons. I started becoming more observant throughout the course of my time in college. Um, I started learning with a Jewish organization on campus my sophomore year. Um, you know, they had a semester long seminar where we would just learn like various topics and like what Judaism is and like, what is the purpose of life? What's the meaning of life? Um, modesty was in no way a part of that equation yet. Um, it really was an exploratory process while I was in college. And I didn't seriously start to consider becoming more observant until my senior year. And like, even then I still wasn't like, I wasn't practicing um, observant Judaism in any real sense. It was very hard for me in college to make any kind of serious life changes, including modesty, because eh, it's just a very, it's a difficult environment to do that in. Um, but I knew like in the back of my mind, like on a very subconscious level that once I graduated, I was going to be making a lot of life changes. Um, and, you know, I had already made the decision my senior year, instead of like going into the workforce and getting a job, like a lot of my peers, I was going to take time off and go to Israel and study in seminary um, for at least six months. That ended up being 10 months. And, you know, prior to that, I actually forgot this part of like the whole story. But my mentor, my senior year said, like, you know, you're going like on winter break, you're going to Chile. It's very warm in Chile. Like, why don't you try like experimenting like with not wearing sleeveless shirts? See how you feel. And like I was at the point in my journey where like I was capable of handling that kind of like mentorship um and, you know I tried it and I was like wait no this is like too much for me like I can't take this on right now like it's just too much of a change I was still in college I was still around peers who weren't dressing modestly um and then once I decided to go to Israel I knew that like what I was going like I was going to be in an environment that like the majority of people around me were dressing modestly so I made sure like okay in my suitcase I'm going to pack clothes that are also modest because I know that like when I'm there I'm going to feel more comfortable and it's going to be the respectful thing to do to dress like more covered up um and so i did like i packed clothes that i liked you know i started wearing them and i'd say like it was a slow process um you know i started dressing modestly like when i was at seminary in jerusalem and then you know throughout the summer like i would go to tel aviv and like maybe i'd like still wear bikinis to the beach i'd still wear crop tops and it eventually just became like just a switch in my my mindset and like how I feel and like I just felt better when I started dressing modestly and it didn't become a thought I just became a part of who I am um so it was a slow and gradual process but also at the same time I did jump into it like I made the very drastic switch the second I went to an environment where that was conducive and I'd say like the real challenge started when I came back to America after 10 months in Israel like it's definitely um hard when you're not in the majority dressing modestly there is a sort of communal aspect to modesty that I think a lot of people on the outside maybe can't perceive. Um, and you're not alone. I've definitely heard many people that I've talked to doing these interviews and also just having, you know, people in my comments and stuff uh, in my videos talking about something similar that it's it, if you're not in an environment, if you're in a more secular environment or if you're in an environment that doesn't dress modestly, whether you're in school or your family doesn't understand or support that. Um, there is a sort of uh, communal support element that comes with it, especially in the beginning, because it is a challenging thing to sort of push back on those um, societal or communal or familial norms. Um, and that has sort of, I think, turned a lot of people off if they if they aren't strong enough in their commitment to it, if they don't wish to, if, if it was coming from sort of a more... Um, I don't want to use the word shallow, but a less sort of like deeply connected place. It wasn't something that the person was already deeply committed to before they presented it to their community. It was something that they're sort of like slowly poking into. Um, I think that's a tremendous challenge when people start dressing modestly that a lot of people don't understand for sure. But what other, what other challenges have you encountered in your journey of modest dressing that, that, and how have you dealt with them, I guess? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think like to your point, if you have like a community supporting you, it definitely helps so much. Like I can't imagine like starting to dress modestly in a place where like really no one is. Like it, it's just like it really makes you feel like an outsider. Um, and so isolated. It's such an interesting like place to put yourself in. 
um, mentally, if you just even imagine it. But, you know, I guess the challenges really on that note have come from, a, you know, when I feel like I'm the only person who stands out. I think that feeling of being like so, so different and so different than like everyone around you, it can kind of cause this like, I don't know. I mean, you feel like people are looking at you differently and like kind of like wondering like what's she wearing like and and so that's a challenge mentally to overcome with like in of itself like when I came back from Israel for example like my family wasn't used to me wearing skirts and long sleeves all the time they were like what's happening here so I think like you know even dealing with people in your life like thinking oh she's different and you have to kind of like find that backbone within yourself and be like no I'm not different I'm wearing different clothes it doesn't mean I'm different I'm still like I am the same person, but I'm also like even a better person now because I've gone through this like self-growth and self-development and like I'm working towards an even higher place each and every day. So like I'm always growing um, and I'm still the same person in the sense that I still have my personality and I hope you can see that through the midi and maxi skirts that I'm wearing, but I'm still me. Um, so kind of like finding that, um, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for, that confidence I think finding that confidence in a very trying and challenging situation um, is a struggle in of itself. And I guess like what's helped me overcome that is just, you know, I think you need you need people to look up to and you need people, you need advice, you need inspiration, you need to, you know, whatever like like helps you, energizes you and lifts you up, like you need to be aware of that. And for me, like that's um, you know, listening to inspirational speakers. I think, you know, within the Jewish realm, like I have my people I turn to, but even outside of that, like people like Brene Brown and people like um, Glennon Doyle, like very like motivating people for me, like it helps me like find that strength and that courage within myself to be able to stand up to people who might be giving me a bit of backlash. Um, and like, you know, practical challenges, like going to the beach, like swimsuits, swimwear, like activewear, those are practically like really hard, modest areas to navigate. Um, and it's taken me a lot of trial and error and I'm still not perfect. Like I still like will wear, you know, sometimes no swim skirt. Um, and that's fine by me. Like I'm still trying, I'm still growing. Like nobody's perfect. Um, and, you know, modesty looks different on everyone. So I, I think like kind of shifting our understanding of what modesty is can kind of help us navigate those struggles um and that stuff is something that's helped me navigate for sure you one of the things i want to highlight in what you're saying is the phrase inspiration and needing again that community support but specifically models of other people who are doing what you're doing as, as a form of support in that journey um and i want to use this to sort of transition into talking about how you found your company um how you uh ended up wanting this this inspiration and then turning to creating it for other people and creating a source of inspiration and support for other people who are going through a similar journey. Can you tell me how you met your partner, your business partner, Liza, and how your company came to be? Yeah. So we actually met in seminary. We were roommates when we both first got there. That's um, so cool. So, and yeah, it's a funny beginning. Um, and you know, it's crazy how the world works. I guess destiny and fate just aligned. And uh, we were roommates for 10 weeks over the summer. We became good friends. And like she was returning to New York to begin her job at Bloomingdale's. And I was staying on in Israel um, for the foreseeable future. I ended up staying until COVID hit. So I was there for a hefty 10 months. Um, and when COVID hit, she got furloughed from her job at Bloomingdale. She was working in buying, um, merchandising and buying. And she, you know, had the time to kind of like think through like, okay, she like personally always struggled. She didn't always struggle, but like she struggled to find that expression of style through modesty when she first started taking on modesty. And, you know, she knew like it was very challenging shopping for what she wanted to wear. And I think at her time at Bloomingdale's, she really realized just like how much of a need and how much um, of a missed opportunity the modest market is as far as fashion goes. So when she got Pharrell, she started, you know, thinking through like, how can we solve this problem? Like, how can we give modest women the shopping experience that every woman who is walking into Bloomingdale's has? Um, and so she called me up. She's like, what do you think? Like, 
are you also like in need of something like this? Like the reflective, like, yeah. And, you know, I, I was out of a job too. I didn't have a job. I was still looking for my first post-grad job. Um, so that coupled with COVID was definitely challenging. I too had the time and we just started building it out. Um, and here we are. So you founded the company in 2020, is that correct? Yeah, August 2020. Okay. And when I was uh, researching sort of the company history, I saw that in the beginning, you guys were doing, um, you know, your newsletter uh, where you sort of aggregate um, your picks of different sort of companies where, uh, and then there's there's also an aspect of live events that I, I saw about. Could you talk a bit more about those and how you sort of built community using those? Yeah, for sure. So we started, you know, like you mentioned, as a newsletter um, in August 2020, newsletter and an Instagram um, to kind of just test out, like, is this something that people would be interested in? Like, is there a need? Um, and very quickly, like, we saw, like, yeah, there is a need. And our community started proliferating. And it was such a strong like community that, you know, I think we realized, like, we got to bring people in person. Um, like, how cool would it be to, like, have a panel of speakers and give people a shopping opportunity and just you know kind of bring that community to life so we had our first event this past august so a year after we officially launched our newsletter um and we were able to bring uh, amazing women together in person in new york um and like give them kind of like a networking opportunity an opportunity to hear from modest women who are in the fashion industry um and we have our next event coming up in february so i think like just seeing like the power of having women who are genuinely curious about learning more about modesty and genuinely curious about kind of hearing different perspectives in one room. It's just, it's a very cool thing for sure. When you have these events, um, I'm sure, especially with COVID, it's been difficult to sort of build those, those situations. Um, but when you do have the events, um, what sort of stage in the journey are people who are coming to these things? Are, are they just people who are curious or is it is it people who are more established in the modest fashion industry or is it a combination? It's definitely a combination. I'd say like for the most part, the women coming to our events are just followers of our Instagram. They're women who may not necessarily be dressing modestly every day even. Um, they may just, you know, have an interest in it. They may have friends or family who dress modestly. They themselves may have been dressed modestly their whole lives. Um, we have women who are interested in fashion in general who like really don't have like such a deep connection to modesty on a daily basis, but like they know the, the topic they're interested in. Um, and there are definitely women who come who are also like in the modest fashion industry itself. Um, at our next event, we have a decent amount. Um, I'd say like maybe 30% are in the modest fashion industry. Um, so it, yeah, it's, it's very diverse in kind of where people are at in their personal modest stage stages and like where they're at in their connection to fashion in general. In my research, I found that the, the modest fashion industry is going to be worth about $311 billion by 2024 or 2025, which I definitely believe, um, there's a huge hole in the fashion market for people who dress modestly. Um, and this was a, 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 a trend or a or a movement really started by a lot of um, Muslim creators and Muslim women who, again, felt that brands sort of left them out and they were seeking an experience of fashion and an experience of style and beauty that didn't really include them. And it's so wonderful that you have sort of cultivated a little niche within this sort of builds your own community of people who are along the same journey as you. And I'm, I'm wondering if you can sort of talk about your personal experience and your personal relationship to the term modesty and and what it really means to you on on an internal level um, because I think so often the word modesty can carry so many connotations at least in a western you know Christian hegemonic English-speaking society um, and and I think I'm always looking for opportunities for people to define it outside of that and especially when it comes to the fashion industry um, there's sort of a a conflict happening there where people are like, well, fashion shallow and, and how can you possibly have modest fashion? So I'm wondering how you navigate that conflict and, and what way do you express what modesty means to you and what does it mean to you? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think modesty has, can, I mean, it definitely is misunderstood by a lot of people. It's, you know, 
even within the context of religion, I think it can be like taken out of context. Um, it's just, it's very nuanced and it has a reputation as being restrictive, oppressive. I think like when you think of modesty, the association is quiet, shy, boring, demure. Like you think, oh, a good little girl who was, you know, sitting in her church pew. I don't know. Like that's what I used to think of growing up for sure. Like when I heard the word modesty, I'd be like, oh, like boring. Like who's that quiet? Like girl, she's like all mousy. Like that would be my first bam understanding and like perception of modesty. Even until it's day, like I say modesty and I'm like, oh God, blah. Like what is that word? Uh, what does it even mean? And I think it's really not the best term that it, you know could be used when we define like what we're doing. I think at the end of the day, my understanding of modesty and like how I, I view like what I wear is at the end of the day, it it's an external expression of my internal self. And like even within that, it's like, okay, so what does that mean? It's very it sounds very vague and meta. Um and like you would be right in saying that. I think, you know, ultimately like everybody's definition of modesty is individual. What you define modesty as is different as like what I define modesty as, and that's okay. Um, I think it becomes tricky when we speak about the modest fashion industry because obviously, like that, like it, there are connotations, and there there is there has to be some like blanket base level definition of what we're talking about. And at the end of the day, I think that is just you know a woman's decision to protect what is hers. And however she defines that for herself, that's her definition. Um, and, you know, that's going to look different on everybody. It's going to look different in different communities. You know, the Muslim modality of dress is different than the Christian, and it's different than the Jewish, and it's different than somebody who's dressing modestly just for their own personal you know, reasons that have nothing to do with religion. Um, so we could definitely sit here and talk about that more because there's a lot we can unpack within like, what modesty actually is. Um, and it's very nuanced and it's going to look different, you know, tomorrow than it did today than it will like 10 years from now for me personally. Like, I think we're always growing and evolving in how we express our, um, our modesty externally. And it should look different every day. If your modesty is looking the same every day, like, Ooh, I don't know. I think we gotta, we gotta unpack that. Let's unpack it. I would like to talk to you about that because you talk a lot about um, the internal changes that you've experienced through modesty. And of course, this isn't something that everybody's going to go through, but I too have having, am having regularly a similar experience going through it, this set of internal changes. Can you talk about what's changed for you since you started dressing more modestly? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I personally feel so liberated. It's not a common experience, which is unfortunate, um, but is normal. Like many women struggle with modesty because it oftentimes is taught in schools or it's taught by, you know, I don't know. It's just taught by old like people of authority who are saying like you have to uphold this kind of way of dress in order to like respect yourself, respect like X, Y, Z. Um, and really like I have always viewed it as a way for me to be connected to myself and express myself very freely and feel like the most comfortable possible. I think, you know, growing up and, you know, I definitely experienced body image issues. You know, I always struggled with weight. You know, I had my ups and downs in college. Like, it was a very toxic, like, Greek life culture um, in college. Lots of drinking, like, going out to bars, wearing plunging necklines. I always felt the male gaze, always. And I think for me, when I decided to dress modestly, I just felt so free. Like, I'm coming from a place of, what I felt like was restriction for me. And I was stepping into a liberating experience. And I totally understand how that's not the same for everybody. But for me, that was mine. And so what shifted for me was this feeling of total and complete freedom. And I felt like my voice could finally be found. And like, I was finally able to listen to my voice because for a second, like I didn't have like all of this like buzzing around me of like, you know, people staring, people looking, like I didn't have like all of these male eyes like gazing at my chest, like it was great. And so that allowed me the space to really like hone in on my personality and like, you know, like what I want to let seen. 
Um, and for me, I think that just like at the end of the day allowed me to tap into like my intuition and my gut and like let me like listen to myself and express myself and figure out like, okay, so I can't wear every single trend this season because some of it is like cutouts and like that's that's just too hard to make a lot of. It's like, what do I actually want to wear? And like tapping into like, okay, like, hmm, today, like, what do I actually want to wear? Little things like that, like subconsciously and like on a very deep level allow you to tap into like what you want, who you are, um, and hopefully it allows you to unlock that and express it on a more uh, magnificent level. You're such a good speaker. I love how you phrase your feelings. <laughs> Dang, sometimes I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm like, well, hope that I know I black right. out sometimes when I'm talking. Like when we had our first conversation, I was just blacked out pretty much the entire time. But that's how I feel. Yeah. yeah. Anytime, anytime I have this like ring light in my face, I'm like, I'm blacked out right now. What am I saying? Yeah. I know. Yeah. Sometimes I gotta be like, hold on. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Especially like before we sat down for this interview, I was feeling like a little jittery, and I was like, why am I nervous? Like, <laughs> breathe, breathe. <laughs> Um, okay, I'm gonna transition a little bit into sort of more um, theoretical questions, I guess. Um, so you, I, I want to come back to what you said about trends and how when we're get, getting dressed every day, it's it's much more difficult to engage with the trends in the trend cycle, and you sort of have to engage with your own inner sense of choice making, which can in fact be a really powerful tool to develop. Um, but you also run a fashion company. You're involved in the fashion industry. Um, one of your products on the reflective, sort of your main product, is your aggregator tool where you can pull in uh, highlights basically from a bunch of different brands so people don't have to spend as much time searching. How do you sort of reconcile um, the, the fashion industry and the trend cycle that can be so intense and quick with your own sort of desires for what modesty means and how you want to express yourself and show up in the world. Yeah, I think it's tough, especially because, you know, to your point, it cycles so rapidly um, and it's not sustainable and it's exhausting, quite honestly, for me to keep up with it. Like, I don't like it. I don't want to subscribe to it. Unfortunately, I mean, fortunately and unfortunately, like fashion at the end of the day, uh, a lot of people could say it's a, an expression of creativity. Uh, it's a way you can keep up with the times. Um, it's indicative of society and like what's going on. It could be viewed as a mechanism of art and creativity. So in that sense, um, I think it helps me view it a little bit more favorably, even though I'm, I'm inclined to have a more negative antagonistic perspective on it um, when we do think about it in relation to modesty. But I'd say like as as a modest fashion startup and because we want to give women the experience that they maybe had when they didn't dress modestly or maybe we want them to have the experience that you know they could have if they didn't dress modestly like we really want that that experience um in order to do that there has to be this like editorial component to what we do um and there has to be this like oh like uh, let us help you like here's what we can do to help you feel like more a part of what's going on in the world. It's just a connection to the modern world at the end of the day. Um, because if we completely ignored trends, um, it would kind of go back to feeling like cut off and we don't necessarily want that. Um, but at the same time, like modesty is very timeless in the sense that like you don't need to be on trend to be modest and like modesty at the end of the day because it is so individual and unique and should be an expression of like your internal self trends theoretically like you don't need them like you shouldn't need them like i personally like don't really buy anything that's on trend um i don't know maybe like if lug sole boots are trending like that's all i can find when i need a pair of boots like that's what happens um but yeah i mean it's definitely it's tricky to find that balance and i would say more often than not like majority of what people buy including myself is not like the trendy stuff that is of you know the seasons because at the end of the day like dresses like our dresses and like okay bold colors are in for spring 2022 like okay so maybe there are going to be a lot more bright green and bright purple dresses on their marketplace because that's what's out there um so maybe i don't know there's some kind of in between we find 
Yeah, I think it's a hard line too, because I think it's often easy, um, especially with an industry that's growing as quickly as the modest fashion industry, for brands to capitalize on something that's very personal and sometimes quite um, intimate and spiritual for people. Um, and and I'm often asking the question about whether modest fashion misses the point, you know, like is is there a way to reconcile an industry that has historically really, you know, smushed women into the ground and capitalized on our insecurities. And and this this process of modesty that is in a lot of people's minds not supposed to be expressive or fashionable or beautiful because that misses the point of modesty. Um, and I really love what you're saying about it's it's not so much about staying on trend, but instead it's about cultivating your sense of personal style as an act of creative expression. Um, and through that, you can sort of find yourself and find your connection to your spirituality or whatever you're seeking through your modesty. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to highlight that. I think that was a beautiful way of expressing that. Thanks. Um, when, um, tell me about a time uh, recently when you sort of were struggling with um, how you dressed or the way you presented that day, um, your, an insecurity came up and, and how you sort of got through that when it came to how you got dressed that day. Yeah, mm, what a good question, I have to think. I mean, <clears throat> I think in general, anytime my my clothes are a little bit too tight or maybe a little bit like shorter than I would want, I just naturally have picked up a sensitivity to it and I feel very uncomfortable. Um, and uh, I don't know, I, you know, how do I navigate that throughout the day? Like I just get through the day feeling uncomfortable and I don't wear that outfit again. Um, and I think like, you know, outside of that, it's always challenging I think, you know, in scenarios where um, I'm wearing, like, I'm, like, outside, like, in Florida, for example, when I was there with my family um, in December and, you know, being by the pool, um, you know, in a public setting, like, I was all covered up in, you know, my swim dress and my swim skirt, and it wasn't comfortable. It just wasn't. Like, I was the only one covered up. Like, it was a beautiful sunny day. Um, I really wanted to take off my swim skirt and like, that was really hard for me. I was like, like, what am I going to do? Like, there are so many men around, like, I, this is just a situation where like, I really hate dressing modestly. Like, I just want to get tan and like, I stand out like a sore thumb. Like, it's just, it's hard. And I, I think it's just in situations like that, acknowledging that it's hard. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone who is just starting to explore their journey with modesty? I would say like on a practical level, this is something that Liza says a lot, like don't get rid of anything in your closet. Um, I think oftentimes people get like this fire in them and they just throw out all of their jeans. Like, nah, like just wait, just wait. And I think also like on the other hand, you have people who just like buy a bunch of stretchy black skirts right away, which is what I did. And I said to that, like, just wait, just wait, just wait, like, test it out. Like, maybe, like, you know, go thrifting, get a bunch of skirts for, like, $5, see what's, you know, feels good for you. Do you like more, like, A-line? Do you like wearing dresses versus skirts? Um, what are your standards? Like, when you throw on something below your knee, does that feel, like, way too much for you? Like, just, I think, really starting to experiment and experiment mindfully. I think this is something I wish I did. And, like, maybe if I wasn't in an environment where it was so easy to take on, honestly, like, I would have done this. Um, I think, like, my advice is a little, a little biased because, like, I was in a very comfortable, very cozy situation to start dressing modestly in. Um, if I was removed from that environment and put a little bit more to the test, I would really lean into this strategy of experimenting and um, experimenting mindfully, asking yourself, like, how you feel, like, when you're wearing that long skirt. Like, yeah, I even do this, like, to check myself sometimes like I'll put on a dress that maybe I got a year ago that's a little bit you know maybe it shrunk maybe I got it and it was already shorter and I'll be like wait a second how do I, I, I how do I feel in this like a little bit short for me like how's it affecting me today like am I just feeling this way because like maybe I'm around people who are all wearing long skirts and I feel like a little bit out of place 
Or do I feel uncomfortable because it's genuinely uncomfortable for me? And like my standards have expanded to, you know, shift the hemline a bit, a little bit lower. Like, I think really like asking yourself why, like, why are you doing this? Why are you wearing this? Like, why does it feel good? Why does it not feel good? And kind of getting to the core of like what's driving what you're wearing um, would kind of allow you to like think about your modesty in a more personal way. Um, I think like tapping into like yourself a little bit more. Sometimes modesty can feel pressure, pressurized. Um, I think especially when it's backed by faith-based reasons. But hopefully by asking yourself and experimenting a little bit mindfully, it'll help you tap into the individuality behind it, which is so, so essential, I think. That's great advice. I hope people like that. I liked it. Um, okay. I'm wondering, um, we have a little bit of time left. Um, I have one more, I guess, one and a half more questions. Um, but I want to do a quick survey on your chat box and see if you have any questions stacked up, just so I kind of have an idea of how much time we have. Awesome. How do I see it? Um, you should see like under our shared screens, um, a little box and it'll say something to the effect of like, welcome to TikTok live. And then you scroll down and there's probably some kind of interaction. If you don't have anything, that's okay. But if you do, I would like to. Hmm. So fun navigating this for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to TikTok live. This is fun. I don't know if they have anything. Okay. I'm not saying anything. Cool. Um, I have only like one or two questions in mind. So if anybody else has questions, you can drop them in my comments. Um, then I'm going to ask my, my last one and a half questions, uh, which is, what do you uh, hope to see for yourself and how do you want to grow in the next year um, what, as it comes to your fashion and your sense of style and, and your relationship to modesty and your spirituality? Mm, what a great question. So interesting. I I'm taking this class um, on modesty right now. Is our second class tonight, um, and it's very interesting. I, I think we think about modesty as it pertains to like clothes and clothes only. And what I'm learning is that it really has nothing to do with outer appearance. Like that's one component of it for sure. Like, but it's not the only one. Modesty, it has to do with our personality too. It has to do with our thoughts, our speech, our actions. Modesty is expressed in so many ways outside of clothing and the clothes that we wear. And I think so often like that's what's cared about is, oh, like how loose are your pants? How long is your skirt? Like how long is your hemline? Like are you covering like your collarbone, your elbows, your hair? How much of your hair are you showing? Like those are the questions that people think about when they think about modesty. And it's actually so much more complex than that. Modesty is expressing, you know, like I mentioned, your thoughts. Like, you know, how often are you like just thinking about yourself versus other people and in your speech? Like how, like if you do a good deed and like you do something or, or like you hold your tongue about something, like are you going around telling people that you did that? Like are you just, you know, being a little bit more reserved and um, you know, humble, because at the end of the day, modesty is humility um, and not in a way that, you know, kind of takes away your self-esteem. It's just, you know, this acceptance that who am I, you know, I'm little old me. Like, I want to really grow in that area, I think. Um, and especially, you know, I think I would love to educate myself more on modesty. I think that's a big area that I can grow in because, I don't know. It's really tough. You know, I think modesty, like, it's hard for me to think about, you know, wearing bold colors, like neons and like sequins and still think like, is it really modest? Though? Like, I don't know. And like, I have to think about it. And I think for me, like, growing in my understanding is really how I, I hope I can use this next year. And like kind of growing in my understanding of like all facets of modesty. And I'm sure it's going to take me more than just this year to learn and grow in that. But that's the intention. How does that translate into your goals for your company? I think, you know, really, you know, when we, when we think about fashion, like, you know, we've touched on a bit in this conversation, it has a tendency to be very superficial. And people think it's, you know, it can 
tear women's self-esteem down. And, you know, that's very true. And I think historically that's what we've seen. But hopefully we can bring in more meaning and more depth into fashion, you know, even outside of modesty. I think modesty is just the launching point. And I think when we think about fashion, like, yeah, we're calling it modest fashion, but like we said before, like, what does modesty even mean? Like, it looks so different on everyone. I think really modesty is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what we're doing. I think, you know, creating this community of like-minded women is, is so powerful. And like, I hope like in this next year, we can grow that you know, tenfold, a hundredfold and, you know, continue to inspire women to not only like, you know, find modesty within themselves and like help them express it in a way that is healthy and good for them in a way that feels authentic to them, but like really help them connect themselves on a deeper level outside of fashion. Like fashion is just a vehicle in which you can connect to yourself. It's not like the end goal. The end goal is not to be stylish and to be like, you know, dressing in a way that's authentic to you. The end goal is really to just be authentic and like feel authentic in every area of your life outside of fashion. Because again, it's like thoughts, it's speech, it's actions, like authenticity. I think maybe that's what we call modesty is like we just call it authenticity. Like forget that M word, it's now the A word. Great. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to, oh my God. Okay, let me see the mug. There, okay, it's about as big as your face. Um, it looks handmade. It's bright red. What kind of tea are you drinking? So I love to mix my teas. Um, I have a peppermint and a ginger. Lovely. We are kindred spirits, absolutely. <laughs> I I'm a tea mixer. I like just throwing a bunch of leaves in and seeing what happens. Exactly. It's the best kind of little experiment. And, and that kind of tea can only be consumed from a giant lug. It's the only appropriate way to consume that kind of tea. Yeah, it has to be a bowl. It has to oh, be. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you some questions that are in my comments. Amazing. Um, one person asks, do you see a difference in the diversity of body types reflected in modest fashion, fashion versus traditional fashion? Do you see a difference in the diversity of body types in the two industries? Um, not really. Honestly, if anything... Maybe I see less of a diversity of the modest fashion industry, to be mm -hmm. honest. I mean, I think it also depends on what area of the fashion industry we're talking about. I still think, like, obviously, runway shows are still very much not hitting the mark sure. when it comes to body diversity. Um, you know, there's an amazing activewear brand, uh, modest activewear brand that just uh, launched, and they, they're um, a size-inclusive brand. So they for sure have representation, which is incredible. Um, What's that brand? Do you recall? It's called Plux. Plux. Do you yeah. know how I spell that? <laughs> P it's like P-Lux. That's how I say okay. it. I say P-Lux. I think it's Plux. It's P-L-U-X-E. It's really amazing. They just launched um, a few weeks ago, actually. Cool. I'll and, check them out. That's a good tip. Yeah. And so I think... I think modest fashion could definitely step it up a notch and you so could the fashion industry at large. I think, you know, it's definitely a huge area for growth. Yeah. Um, this is a question that's already been asked, but maybe we can condense the response. Um, what motivated you towards modesty? Um, you know, I feel like for me, it wasn't it wasn't so singular in the sense that like, OK, I'm going to think about, hmm, do I want to dress modestly? Do I not want to dress modestly? I think in general, for me, it was just this yearning for spirituality and this yearning for growth um, in, in my quest towards becoming more observant and, you know, becoming more aligned with myself. Modesty was just like a component of that journey. It wasn't the journey itself. Um, so I think that's what motivated me was like the journey at large, not necessarily modesty. Um, someone else asks, where is the line between self-esteem and showing off when it comes to modesty? Mm, that's a really good question. I think that's a great question. Yeah. I think it's individual too, but I'd like to hear your response. Yeah, I, I totally think it's individual. Um, and 
you know, I think at the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves like, okay, like, why am I wearing what I'm wearing? Like, and where am I going? And who's going to be there? And I think, it, you know, and this is something we actually learned tonight in this modesty class is that, you know, a way in which modesty, first of all, looks different on everybody because it's really a character trait. It's it's a character trait in the sense that, okay, like I am modest. Okay. I have this character trait of modesty and character traits look different on every individual because it's an expression of your personality. So like you said, like it's going to look different on everybody, um, which is good. That means that you're on the right track. However, as much as it's individual, you also at the same time have this dynamic of like thinking about the other like I think I am not going to touch this because this is something I don't understand but like I think people have asked me before you know well aren't you dressing modestly because like you know men and like you don't want men to be looking at you and sexualizing you and like okay I'm not even going to go there like gotta Mm -hmm. first learn about that and really dive into that in a deep way before I can answer um but you mean personally you need to dive into that or there's there's more external education that you need? Oh, yeah. I for sure need more external. And I need education. Um, and I want to understand it on a deeper level before I even like give my thoughts. But yeah, um, because it, it, it's a very interesting point to be raised. But, yeah, you know, if I'm going to meet with I don't know, uh, this is an example somebody gave. Like if I'm going to meet with like my children, I don't have children. But this is like a hypothetical. Sure. If I'm going to meet with my children's teacher for parent teacher conference, like I'm not going to wear my like stretchy black skirt and like slippers. Like I'm going to wear an outfit that, you know, presents myself in a way that is like, you know, conducive to meeting mm. with my sh- my child's teacher. So we do dress differently when we're around different people. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what kind of you'll find like with the line between self-esteem and showing off. Um, if you're finding that you're, you know, dressing a certain way to impress a group of people, I think that's an area where, okay, like maybe pull back. Like I've noticed like there are times where yeah. for weddings, for example, like yeah. sometimes like people really like you want to get all toots up and like depending on the crowd who's going to be there, you might like wear something a little bit more like showy or like bolder. Like you'll really spend the time crafting like a cool different outfit, but just like, taking a step back and like thinking like wait a second like what am I doing okay and then like finding that balance yeah so much that's so much respect to you I agree okay. uh, next you. question uh, it's the last one that I have in my queue so if anybody else has any other questions please put them down otherwise we're going to end soon um, do you feel respected as a professional while dressing modestly yeah definitely if, it, more so and I've heard this sentiment shared by many women um i think modesty is actually you know an area where like professional women could really um i don't even know where i'm going with that but like it's definitely like if you look at very corporate jobs like a lot of women happen to dress more modestly i think for me like there is a tie between like being a little bit more covered up and like having this the sense of respect it's just that's that's what happens there's a subconscious association that people have between a more reserved look um and that's not to say you should look boring it's just to say that like i don't know it's more it's a more mature appearance i think um i do have another question now why do you think modesty is rare in mainstream culture i think that's a cool question Mm -hmm. It is a really cool question. And you know what's interesting? Um, I like did this little series on, you know, reviewing Carrie's outfits. Yeah, I love that that. series. I'm (laughs) loving the new season. I mean, it's It's a new show, but it's so good. People have such hot takes on it. I personally am loving it. Um, I know, and I think the hot takes, I'm sorry to break into this before we ask you this question. I sincerely disagree with a lot of these hot takes. I think that it's people who don't understand the natural progression of the show and they're missing the original thing just my opinion no i am so with you like i think they it is 
beautifully done. Like, yeah. it, it can't be like it used to be. Like, it, it would be contrived. But it, like, it, it gives such honor to the original series, I think. Yeah. No, I think, talk about balance. I think it's perfect. Anyway, that's my opinion. And I'm yeah. glad we share. We, uh, I have another person on my team. I really found very few supporters here with me. Really? Okay, well, uh, somebody asked what we're talking about. It's the, it's the Sex in the City reboot called And Just Like That. Uh, it's on HBO. I think it's really good. I could. <laughs> I have a lot of opinions about it, but that is for another day in another interview. <laughs> I love it. I, I literally could talk about it all night. Um, <laughs> okay, so anyway, your series about the carry outfits, talking yeah, about modesty was, and mainstream culture. Okay. Yeah, so I was doing a series on modesty. You know, all of her, a lot of her outfits this season have been very modest. And somebody wrote in, she's like, yeah, but just you wait and see, like, when she starts dating... They're going to, you know, not have her wearing modest outfits anymore. It's a character method that they use subconsciously um, with many, you know, culture, cultural moments, um, you know, TV, movies. If a character is, you know, maybe like finding themselves coming into their own, like they'll have this like big transformation. Like maybe like they'll start covering up less. Like you see in The Devil Wears Prada also um, with Andy, like she like dresses, you know, very meek mild like she's covered up wearing long skirts like baggy sweaters and all of a sudden she has this like character transition and she's wearing these sexy like chanel boots and you know leather blazers like she's looking hot so i think in general culture has just favored a, i don't know a sexier look and like they've favored like mm-hmm. you know equating covering up with like a certain character um, and you know, yeah, we can get into like feminism and the feminist revolution and all this, and, but I think all of it to say is that, um, modesty is still misunderstood. Uh, I think it, it, I've noticed in the past few years, it's become like more widespread than it used to be. I think you'll find more people on the streets wearing modest clothing, um, I definitely see it a lot more now, you know, but maybe I'm looking for it. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's so much we could explore with like why why culture is not representing modesty so much. Yeah, I think there's probably a lot of um, psychological theory that goes into that too. Like what you're talking about, how we sort of have been trained as a society to view certain expressions of sexuality as good or bad or old or young or, you know, whatever. Um and, and personally, I think that's one of the challenges um, and one of the gifts of exploring modesty is challenging those notions and examining them and being critical of them and looking at them objectively from a perspective of like, it does, we're not talking about if this is a good or a bad thing to do. I'm more interested in exploring, does this get us to where we want to be as a society? Does this type of sort of binary thinking about what modesty is get us to a more inclusive and supportive society where people can express themselves in the way that they want to and still get the respect and support and systemic um systemic support that that maybe isn't offered to them in certain conditions um so yeah i agree <laughs> um, i have one last question do you have do you have a little bit of time yes okay great um do you find that most of your customers are those who grew up modest or those who came to it later mm. A good question. I do feel like there's definitely a split. I don't know the exact split. I feel like it it could be 50-50, but I'm inclined to say like we have slightly more women who didn't grow up dressing modestly. Um it, maybe it's like 60-40, but it's it's hard to tell. Yeah. Because even with the women who grew up dressing modestly. I think there are so many varying levels. Like, I think there are women who, you know, call a skirt of any length modest and like they would be right to do that. Like if that's their definition of modest, I just, I don't, I don't know. And like, maybe they've grown to since like now wear like longer skirts. So I think it just depends. Just depends on everybody's backgrounds. And I I don't know necessarily all the details. Yeah, I'd be interested to know. I think that's yeah. a, a thoughtful thing to consider because um, obviously those people are coming from quite different backgrounds and somebody yeah. who grew up being told to dress modestly 
and whatever that was imposed upon them by people who are in positions of power um, are coming at you from a very different state of consciousness than people who are maybe coming to this as adults and have a more sort of like um, detached view about what modesty means um, because they're exploring it on their own or maybe they haven't had a firsthand experience of it being forced upon them or whatever. Not saying that everybody who grew up dressing modestly, it was forced upon them, but certainly there is an element of lack of choice because children sometimes don't get to pick their own clothes. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Um, I don't have any other questions in my queue. Um, is there anything that you would like to add um, that we might not have talked about or anything that's kind of lingering on your mind? Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, there's just, it's just such an interesting topic, I think, yeah. to think about. And, you know, I think you touched on this a little bit in your, you know, last question you asked, but like really, like modesty has the capability, the potential for us to ask like, really like deep hard-hitting questions on like the state of our current society and culture and like the media industry and just like what is going on like let's understand this like what are the norms like what are like the preconceived notions like mm -hmm. like you know what's the dynamic at play like even hypotheticals like what would happen if you had a major hollywood movie and like the whole cast of characters were you know modest like what would happen like would it sell? Like, would people go to see it? Like, what would it even be greenlighted? Like, it's just interesting. Like, representation when it comes to modesty. Like, what about that? Like, I'm curious. Like, how many hijabs do we see in the cinema? I, I don't know. I don't not see many. It. I'll tell you that. Yeah, not many. Like, you know, Euphoria has representation galore. I love it. I love that show. What I don't see is like faith represented. I don't see modesty represented and that's an interesting thing to think about as you know you mentioned where it's a 311 billion dollar industry yeah yeah a lot of the other the research i've been doing about the industry in general um in terms of representation obviously is mostly written by muslim women and them talking about um obviously a lack of um cultural diversity sometimes because it's often an arab-centric um industry or a lot of the models and designers are Arab centric. Um, there's also conversations, obviously, which we talked about already, but conversations around um, body diversity, um, ability to uh, diversity, um, even even skin color diversity. I've seen a lot of um, people who are active in this conversation talk about how there's still a lack of darker skin models and darker skin hijabis being seen in these, these representations and this conversation from modesty. And yeah, I think you're right that the more that we can sort of talk about it on an individual level um, and the more that you, especially having a fashion company and being much more in touch with the industry, both in a professional sense and an emotional sense, of course, um, you really have this, this wonderful sense of opportunity that you can, you can really impact change and you can use your perspective and your voice to um change the way that things are you know um, which i think is a really beautiful opportunity and i'm excited to see where your company goes and and how we can continue to support each other through that yeah there's so much to come on both sides it's just so exciting like i don't know it's women like you like like conversations like this that you know just it helps like with awareness it helps women feel inspired it helps women understand and it's just so needed and it's amazing like what this platform can do i mean Hey, I just met you and here we are having a deep convo, a deep heart to heart. And I'm just, I'm loving it. Like, I can't believe it. I want more. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so cool. People, you know, modesty has really connected me with people that I probably wouldn't have spoken to otherwise and really connected me with people who have similar values. And even if we, we have differences in our beliefs, there's, there's this common ground where we can sort of always relate back, um, which feels quite safe in a world that is so polarized when we talk to people we don't know. Um, it always feels a little scary and there's something quite safe about entering into more rocky or dangerous conversation with other people who are coming from a faith-based or modesty perspective because there's that 
sort of like base ground of safety that we can always return to because we have something in common that we can talk about. Exactly. I love it. It's like a little sisterhood. It is. It's so fun. Yeah. It's what a beautiful community. And I'm, I'm so grateful to have met you and to sort of grow alongside each other and see where we go. I'm so grateful to have met you. And by the way, like also modesty applies to men as much as it does to women. I think that's something yeah. that is like super undercovered as just like a little like parting note. Would love to hear some thoughts on that. From yeah, I actually um, I just got this book that actually um, my my friend Tichelgal, who's in my comments right now, um, she put me onto it. But it's called uh, The Jewish Wardrobe. And there is an entire chapter in there about men's head coverings and men's clothing. And it's very, very cool to look at. I think I'm going to do a little video series about it because um, I did have somebody ask me in one of my comments that they're um, they're masculine presenting and, you know, they aren't sure sort of like how to express their desire for head covering um, that isn't like a baseball cap or like a standard hat. Like, is there like a culturally specific way to express hair covering for men? And of course there is, you know, men in, men in many faiths have modesty commandments as well, or modesty guidance offered upon them. And while the, the rules may be different, um, I think that we share sort of a common source if you're coming at it from a spiritual perspective of, of wanting to turn our attention inwards and develop our, our character and our spirits. Um, I think that's something that we can connect on in all genders, I think. So, yeah. 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 I love it. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Awesome. This was amazing. Oh, I, I mean, it's crazy that I even said we had to cap at an hour because I could keep going for an hour more. Like, <laughs> I should have known I'd be so energized about this conversation. I don't know. I like got, I got the Wednesday scaries. I was like, oh, I know, I know. Me too. I always get them. But then every time I have these conversations, it's usually on a weeknight because that's what works for people. And I'm always like, wow, this is so fun. Like, we could talk about this for hours. So. That's why I have a podcast. Because <laughs> yeah. I've been talking about it for hours with so many different people. Thank you for making this so enjoyable. Thank you for asking amazing deep questions and giving us the opportunity to just like sit and choose because you know I, I do love to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, um, let me know what you need from me in the future and we'll continue to talk over email and stuff. But thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Thanks. Okay. Have a beautiful night. I hope you get lots of rest and your Wednesday scaries go away. <laughs> Thank you. Thank okay. you. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.